Lead pass, right side, big shot, score! Ovechkin rifles it by Thompson, ties the game. 50 goals for the great eight. Two today for Alexander Ovechkin. He's okay. He's okay. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess just kind of in, in sinks. Um, you know, sometimes you, you might you might have a guy flat-footed and, um, you know, try and move, make a move and, you know, get past them. And, um, you know, very fortunate, you know, went in and, you know, got that uh, that huge second point pressure. He's battling his booming onion off. Dodonov now in the neutral zone. Coming ahead left side. Cutting towards the middle on the way. They score! An incredible overtime goal for Shea Theodore. The Knights win 4-3 in overtime. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Dude, shout out to a simpler time in America when all of us were captivated by the California Raisins. The Golden Knights win last night, kept their playoff hopes alive. Uh, Ed, do you believe they can catch Dallas? I think they can catch Dallas. I think Dallas, I said earlier, if people don't know, they play at Calgary, I believe, tonight. That's a back-to-back. Um, and then the biggest game that the Golden Knights have had in a long, long time would be Tuesday evening. I believe it's Tuesday uh, in Dallas, uh, and that might decide it. So... I think they can catch Dallas. I don't know about the Kings. We've talked about the Kings' schedule. Um, we'll see. I think they're were they Chicago tonight, the Kings, because then they play. Um, yeah, they they host they host the Blackhawks, and then they go back to play uh, the the Ducks. So I think they can catch. I think they can catch Dallas. Uh, now if Dallas so, wins tonight, it becomes a lot tougher. But they are in Calgary. So right now, Golden Knights are three points back of Los Angeles. They have played the same amount of games. They are only two points back of Dallas, but Dallas has a game in hand. Like you said, they play tonight in Calgary. That'll basically be the game in hand. If Dallas were to lose tonight, the Golden Knights would be simply two points back, and they get to play Dallas. So you know what that means. If if the Golden Knights, or if Dallas loses tonight, the Golden Knights control their own destiny. Again. Yeah, wins and regulation on the breaker that they have over them. Yep, so they simply win out. They would be in. The postseason, so the when they'd have to win out in regulation, not in overtime. Right. But that is a possibility for the Golden Knights here with the Dallas Stars and catching them. I still do not think it is going to happen uh, because that requires a Dallas losing. We'll say just in, for simplicity's sake in Calgary tonight, which is certainly possible, but then also requires the Golden Knights to go to Dallas and beat Dallas, and that would make them tied right. in the standings. I know the Golden Knights play the Sharks, and I think Dallas has a game on the, over the weekend as well. So there's another game in there as well. But that would get them tied, and the Golden Knights would then have to outplay Dallas over the final couple games of the season as well. So I think it's uh, still going to be a missed playoff appearance for the Golden Knights, well, even though there's a possibility they're playing to overtake Dallas on Tuesday next week. Let me give you Dallas's remaining schedule, and then we can see if they can catch them, right? They're at the Flames tonight. It's a back-to-back. They host the Kraken. They host the Knights. They host the Coyotes. They host the Ducks. 
And so after tonight, after it's tonight, easy. they're all at home and they have one hard game, and that's the Golden Knights. And that maybe is hard, maybe not. Maybe depends we don't on, know. Well, depends on which goalie plays who's, each who's period. Depends on how good Brassois does. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be Yuri Patera's game. Yes. You know that. Come on, come on. So I the, the schedule again. They play in Calgary tonight. That's a tough one, no doubt about it. But it still sets up nicely for the team the Golden Knights are trying to catch. Uh, which is unfortunate because the Golden Knights still have a more difficult schedule than the team they're playing. And the most important game in that stretch would be Vegas against Dallas, and it would be in Dallas, which gives them an edge for, for that game. So I still don't think it's happening. Money Puck has the Golden Knights a 28% chance to make the postseason, but projected points, they're still now three points behind Dallas. So the projections from Money Puck have Dallas finishing three more points I mean, than Vegas. So even a even the loss tonight doesn't really change what the projected points would be as far as who gets in and who doesn't. No, but a win tonight by Dallas is huge. Then it's oh, then it's really really difficult right. if they're four ahead and they have the ability to lose to the Knights, still be two ahead yeah. with that remaining schedule all at home. Then it becomes. I mean, they are they are huge Flames fans tonight. The Golden Knights. If they if Dallas gets this one, it, it could be near over. Yeah, if they win a second night of a back to back at Calgary, yeah, that like this yeah. is one. If you're if you're finding if you're the Golden Knights, you're almost already counting this as a loss for Dallas. Any other outcome right. is <laughs> not good. Even, in all even, honesty, even overtime, uh, even even a yeah, point in overtime. Uh, a point in overtime might be enough to where you're like, oh, wow, that's a point they shouldn't have gotten. So it's uh, it's pretty rough for the Golden Knights right now, even though Dallas has sort of given them a little bit of life since they lost to Edmonton last night. Um, did you see the replay here of Alex Ovechkin kind of waving away yeah, he a waved, penalty he from waved. an official? <laughs> it's, it's beautiful that he makes the calls. <laughs> like, he's so good and so respected. He will tell the officials when to call something and when not to. Yeah, he got up and... Yeah, he just waved it off. He goes, nah, no big deal. Yeah, he, he kind of Yeah, he he kind of fell down. It was Pacioretty who who was eh, had a hand a hand on his hip and there was a little bit of a jersey pull and Ovechkin went down, but as he's getting back up to the ice, he's looking at the referee and waving his hand no and it looked like he was telling him no, don't call a penalty. Alex Ovechkin, what a nice guy. Yeah. Well, he's he, getting he scores he a lot of goals. Hopes. He's happy. He kept their playoff hopes alive. If he if he says, "Hey, that's a penalty," and they call it, and they go to and the they power score, play, oh boy, that game's over. Hell, let or Thompson might be in before the first period ended. Would have been great. So I I very much enjoyed that. Oh, and by the way, because we need to mention this, the Golden Knights scored a power play goal last night. Yeah, they night. did. Stevie they scored one. And Stevie with the with the uh, with the uh, tip from the slot. Yep. And not only did they score one, they had multiple high danger chances yes. on the same power yep. play. This was like one of the better they've, ones they've had lately. Yeah, they've had some power plays where they score, but it's more like, yeah, you just sort of threw a shot on net from the blue line that took a weird deflection. This was they had multiple good chances, and then it ended with Chandler Stevenson in front of the net, where the Golden Knights have struggled to get a lot of times when they lose in front of the net deflecting a shot past the goaltender. I mean, that was, yeah. if you would just watch that power play, you'd have been like, oh, this wow. is a top 10 power play in this the league. This is a great power play. Yeah. So they keep that up. Some people are going to save their jobs if they keep that up. <laughs> well, <laughs> still don't know who's coaching the power play next year. Probably Robin Leonard, right? With his baseball cap on. 
Yeah, he's not going to be he's not the goalie, is he? I mean, well, he'll be the maybe they're treating the goaltenders like uh, the Tampa Bay Rays did, where they had an opener and then they'd bring in the starter they for the, the for the second through the sixth innings. <laughs> okay. Maybe that's what they're doing. Leonard's the opener, and then Logan Thompson's got the rest. He's of the, the closer. Game. He gets paid. To, he gets paid to finish. <laughs> then they need to bring back Subban in case of shootouts. You're right. <laughs> you are right. right. You're perfectly right. Bring back. Is he? He's he's got to be cheap, right? They can afford that. I know the salary cap's a problem, but they can afford. I mean, Robert, they've already, they, they are they know how to circumvent that. Yeah, they'll be fine. Put somebody else on long term IR. That'll be no big deal. But you're right. They they what just they need to reverse it though. They need to have who's who's the real closer here? Is it Leonard or is it Thompson? It appears to be Logan Thompson. Because I want to see one guy play the first two periods and then they bring and in the, the closer? closer. Right. It's like ah, we got a one we got a one goal lead. Bring in the closer for the third period. DeBoer walks in the between the second and third period. He walks in the room and like taps his shoulder, like when like uh, uh, everyone's looking at him, like you know, tapping the shoulder, like uh, we're, we're we're going to the we're going to the pen, I, we're going to the bullpen. I mean, I almost hope that he doesn't do it until the start of the third period, so that so we way, can see it. Well, what they they like stop and they have to play inter sandman yeah. as like as, as like as, as both goalies are looking at him and he they don't know which he's tapping the shoulder he's like you stay in or he taps the shoulder for the for the uh, bullpen do we need to have goalie meetings like we have mound meetings i guess we'd call oh. them crease meetings where DeBoer waddles out onto the ice so he doesn't fall and talks to his goalie for for like 30 seconds before the refs skate over and break it up yeah, and you can have two of them, and he'll send out the goal. He'll send out the goalie coach first. <laughs> say, "Hey, get out there and talk to him." And then if he gives up a goal, he doesn't look good. DeBoer's like, "Time out! I'm coming out. Let's go to the pen. I'm tapping my God. shoulder. Let's go, Logan." Listen, do you know how great it's going to be if we fast forward eight years from now, the Golden Knights have revolutionized goaltending by everybody starts <laughs> using two goalies in the same game. They start treating it like pitchers where they pull guys in the middle of uh, periods all the time. Eight years oh, now, dude. Fleury's still a finisher. He's like 43 <laughs> years old, 45 years old, and he's still the finisher. Hey, hey. Yeah, we're extending his career. He doesn't have to play three That's periods true. a night. He's just, not even one, just yeah. the last 10 minutes. You he gotta went, leave he's going for another minutes. year, according to his agent, so might as well go and just play 10 minutes a game. Oh, let me Extend ask you this. Someone career. said this. He said he's going to play one more year. Okay, he's in play, or the agent said yes. I don't think Flurry's on social media, but the agent said he wants to play one more year. Thinks his body will hold up. He's fine. Leonard is moved. Any chance? You know where I'm going with this. Any chance at all? They would bring him back for a year. Uh, they'd have to fire McCrimmon and McPhee, right? Well, <laughs> DeBoer. They'd have to get rid of DeBoer, I guess, otherwise. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's whose name was on the sword. Good point. I mean, I I feel like there's a, I feel I like mean, the I don't chance... think they would, but someone asked that in the press box last night. They said, and we both laughed about it because the first thing you do and you hear that is laugh because like there's just no chance the way they felt about the breakup and how people responded and some of the media reaction. I mean, they just were were at their end right there for that. So I don't think they'd ever do it. But it was pretty funny because we're like, oh, he says he wants to play one more year. But if all the decision makers in that process were gone, if like if Bill Foley decided uh, they missed the playoffs, this isn't good enough. I'm cleaning house. Yeah, I I think that's possible because Bill Foley would want him back. There's no doubt Bill Foley would want him back. So I I think that that's that is the possibility if everybody was was fired. If they DeBoer, McCrimmon, and McPhee were all gone, possibly They're if not those. Do that. Yeah, if those three are all back, or or if, you know whatever, just one of them gets fired, something like that, I'd have a hard time believing it, just because it was it was know. for giggles in the press box, right? 
defund we didn't, that. We didn't, which we didn't have anything listen, else going on last night in the press box during the first and second period. Listen, if they if Logan Thompson does enough to convince them that he can be the guy, the opener, Mark Andre Fleury, on a two million dollar deal, would be probably the perfect goalie to bring in as a hey. Logan Thompson's the goalie of the future. You and him are going to split time, help him out, be the mentor, whatever. That sounds perfect, doesn't it? Uh, I think it'll break Logan Thompson's brain that every time he has a bad game, the entire fan base will be cheering to get to well, replace him. There were a couple <laughs> cheers sarcastically and then otherwise last night. Uh, Leonard made a very very basic save and the place went crazy and then when they announced logan thompson to start the second period they were even louder uh oh boy again you know i don't know fans are fans i got stuff on twitter my, my column today and you know taking shots at leonard they're fans i don't really pay attention to them they're fanatical that's what the whole word means so you know they have the right to say things i guess but um you know cheering sarcastically for a guy making a save it's like you know take a sip of beer Take a sip of beer. Sip, have, have, have some popcorn or something. No, no, they'll, right. they'll, they'll be cheering for the guy sarcastically. Did we update our Twitter poll or our Twitter? Uh, well, uh, not a poll. Uh, Michael Perkins said uh, our question to start the show has Pete DeBoer sabotaged the Golden Knights goalie. Uh, Michael Perkins said that DeBoer Claymore says otherwise, but also followed up with a bus on back-to-back games. It's more than just sabotaging. He's trying to establish a scapegoat when they miss the playoffs. He is going to blame Leonard. I don't know about that. I think, again, I'm going to say it over and over. I think he's done a really, really good job I, I overall. There's been a ton of injuries, and I don't like to go back to that, but it's true. You can't discount the injuries. I mean, you don't want to use them as an excuse. Now they always say, hey, don't use injuries as an excuse. They've had a ton of injuries. I think he's fine. I think he's done a good job. This whole goalie situation in the last 24 to 48 hours is getting a little weird, uh, and we don't really know who's <laughs> making those decisions anyway. So I think DeBoer's done really well. I think he's done a really good job and I don't think he has anything to worry about. So now the others, uh, I'm not so sure about if they missed the playoffs. It is uh, the guy making the decisions is the goalie coach they sent back to Canada. I can't even remember his name now. But Friar? the one that they... They, yeah, Dave Pryor. No, Dave, Dave Pryor's who, making the decisions from Quebec. Who didn't? Who didn't understand the nacho cheese in the press room was for the nachos and the and the, and the uh, no. What was they for? It was for the um, the pretzels. It was for the nachos, and he put it on the. Hot and dog? He, he put it on the hot dog. I mean, yeah. he smothered the hot dog with this. Like, well, I mean, that might it be sounds for the, delicious. That might be for the chips. And he kind of paused and looked at us. We're like, hey, that's a lot of nacho cheese on that hot dog. Um, All right. Coming up next, <laughs> it's Bischoff's Briefs. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. It's like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! Bischoff's Briefs today. At the end of this... I'm going to have convinced you that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams will only be in Vegas for one season. All right. First this off, be, this will be a good one. Yesterday, Dave Ziegler was asked about Derek Carr's contract being structured so that the Raiders can get out of it after one season, right? There's no guaranteed money after that first season. Some of it becomes guaranteed very shortly after year one of this contract extension ends, but if the Raiders want, Derek Carr does not have to be the quarterback after this season, and they will not owe him any more money. Dave Ziegler kind of sidestepped the question. He said, 
how the contract and all those different types of things, people can look into those things and create different storylines and different headings to look into. At the end of the day, we are excited that he is here now. We're excited that he is here going forward. The extension was longer than one year, and it was longer than one year for a reason. We hope he is really successful this year and throughout the contract. Technically, it's not longer than one year if the Raiders don't want it to be longer than one year. So Dave Ziegler kind of sort of might have been fibbing there. And also when he says they hope he's successful through the life of the contract, the life of the contract might simply be one year if the Raiders decide that. Now, we've talked about the type of contract. We've talked about with Devontae Adams, who also only has one year guaranteed on his contract right now. Next offseason, similar to Derek Carr, if he's still on the team, then year two and three will become guaranteed for Devontae Adams. But as it stands right now, he could play one season just like Carr, and the Raiders could move on from both of them. Both Carr and Adams have one-year contracts with what's effectively a team option. As much as Dave Ziegler wants to say these guys are under long-term deals, it's a one-year contract with a team option, which is great for the team, by the way. Great for the team, but not exactly showing some long-term faith there. But here's the interesting detail. The cap hits. If you look at Devontae Adams and his contract and his cap hits, this year, his cap hit is $8.2 million. That is absolutely nothing for this season, right? That is less of a cap hit than Cleland Furl and Carl Nassib will cost the Raiders right? Like that is nothing whatsoever in terms of a cap hit. But in year two, 2023, Devontae Adams cap hit jumps up to $30.5 million. Going into this season, there are only five players in the NFL that have a cap hit of over $30 million. None of them are wide receivers. It's TJ Watt and four quarterbacks. And guess what? Derek Carr's contract in terms of cap hits, Structured very similarly. His cap hit this year is roughly $19 million, which is not much for a quarterback. That's very reasonable for a quarterback. But the following season, it jumps to $34 million. And then in 2024 and 2025, Derek Carr's cap hit is $43 million in both of those seasons. So if you're doing the math in your head there, this year against the cap, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams will cost the Raiders $28 million. That is a phenomenal job. That is absolutely nothing for those two players. But next season, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr will cost the Raiders $64 million against the cap. It's going to more than double what it is this season. And as far as duos go in the NFL, if you look ahead to 2023, there are only two teams right now that are set up to have two guys with cap hits of over $30 million. One is the Raiders. The other is the Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and Frank Clark. So the Raiders, to keep Adams and Carr for 2023, have to be good because their cap hits are going to more than double. And if you use the Chiefs as the example, because, Frank, that's the only other team that's going to have two guys with $30 million cap hits next season, they won a Super Bowl. They lost another Super Bowl. They went to an AFC title game as well. The Kansas City Chiefs have been very good. They've accomplished the highest peak in the NFL, and they've also been very close a couple of more times with Mahomes and Frank Clark. So it makes sense why they would go all in, why they would pay guys 
that have gotten them to that level. The Raiders haven't gotten to that level yet. And I would think if you're going to commit to paying over $60 million in cap hits to two players, you're going to have to have some level of success. Doesn't mean you have to win the Super Bowl. Probably doesn't even mean you have to get to the AFC title game. But you've got to have some success to justify $64 million as a cap hit between two players. And this is where the problem becomes for the Raiders and for Adams and Carr next season. They're projected to finish fourth in the AFC West. They are they're, The bets on if they make the playoffs, they are plus money to make the playoffs. You could list off, what, nine teams that you could argue are better than the Raiders in the AFC? Bills, Patriots, Ravens, Bengals, uh, Colts, Titans, Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos. Hell, the Dolphins and Browns probably aren't far away either. And listen, you can go in and argue that the Raiders are better than any one of those teams. That's fine. But the point is, they're not projected to make the playoffs this season. And there's a lot of good teams in the AFC that the Raiders are not going to be able to coast into the postseason. They're going to have to earn it. They're going to have to win games. But if win totals and if these props on going to the playoffs are accurate, the Raiders are going 8-9. and And 8-9 and might be finishing last in the AFC West, and it's missing the playoffs. And are you really, as a front office, as Dave Ziegler and, and Josh McDaniels, are you really going to bring back a quarterback-wide receiver duo for $64 million against the cap? that didn't even make the playoffs, I have a hard time believing that that happens. So you're supposed to convince me. You're not convinced? I still think they come back. Even if they miss the playoffs? Yeah, you think they're think coming they back, back and they're, I think they're, they're eating $64 million I think they're coming back. Hit. I do. I think they're bringing them both back. I don't think they would. I don't think they'd move on from them after one year. Missing the playoffs at 8-9 and nine, or missing the playoffs at 4-13? and 13? Listen, I think that's the same season. I think that's the exact same season. If you go 8-9 and nine this year and miss the playoffs when you went and traded your first and second round pick for Devontae Adams, that's a disaster. Like, they are, they're expecting to win 11 or 12 games. Well, they're I mean, all in to win. Yeah. Remember that? So if they're all in to win? If you win 8 and miss the playoffs, I that's the same as going forward. Hell, that's worse than going forward 13 because now you don't even get to pick in the top five. <laughs> that's terrible. For your next so, quarterback? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if you go four and thirteen, you can draft your next quarterback. If you go eight and nine, now it's like, oh boy, you got to take like a defensive tackle or something like that. I will say this: the main way that I see them being back if they miss the playoffs is, I think, after one year, there's going to be some restructuring going on. Because if you listen, if you miss the playoffs and the two highest paid players on the team, their cap hit goes from twenty eight to sixty four million. That means the rest of the roster has to get worse. That means you have we're, we're talking over we're talking $36 million less that they will have to spend. That means the rest of the team is going to be worse next season by $34 million. If they're back at, again, if they make the playoffs, if they have success, absolutely. You bring them back and you, it's like, yeah, they they did it. They're back. But if they don't and, you've, and you're looking around saying, well, we've got to get better next season. How the hell do you get better if all of a sudden you've got $34 million less million to work with? Maybe they're back if they restructure things. Maybe if they go 8-9, and nine, miss the playoffs, and they're able to restructure these deals to where those two have a combined cap hit of $40 million instead of $64 million or something like that, well, then I you, could see that making sense. What do you think too. the odds are if Carr goes 12-5, wins a playoff game, that he wants it restructured? Well, he gets a, I mean, he's getting it guaranteed at that point. And now he's getting now if Carr gets if Carr gets past this year and gets the second year guaranteed, well, I guess he wouldn't have beyond that. So right. it's he might, a one year deal each time. 
Right. He might walk in and be like, we don't need to change anything except go ahead and guarantee year three for right. or right. something like that. So that could happen. Absolutely. But yeah, if he goes 12 and five, he that that's probably a realistic thing that happens. You're, that's a good point that if they go 12 and five, make the postseason, let's say they win a game, he can probably walk in and say, OK, year two is guaranteed now. Now you're guaranteed well. year three and, yeah. and I'll be happy. So that's but I uh, it's hard for me to imagine having that big of a cap hit if they don't make the playoffs. I just, it, to me, it would feel irresponsible to bring them back at that big of a cap hit if they fail to make the postseason, which is the betting favorite at the moment. Coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. Ready for the weekend? It's like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. Let's find out what's on tap with J.R. Starkis. Champagne, perfume going in, sewage coming out. Follow on Twitter, JR Starkus. Follow on Instagram at JR Makes Drinks. Southern Glazers Wine Spirits Nevada, our extreme mixologist. Uh, would you have pulled Robin Leonard after the first period last night? You're a big Knights fan. What's going on? What's going on over there? Uh, you know what? Probably. I mean, he was. Um, he's been he's been less than spectacular. I'll say. You know, um, it, it's it's tough to it's tough to watch. When there's so, so, I mean, listen, I, I could never, I can't even skate. So, I mean, I, what the hell opinion do I have? But, you know, when I, when I look at some of these goals and I was at the game on, I think, it was, what was it, Monday? Monday. Yeah, Monday night or, yeah. Uh, and, and it's just like seemingly like the other players that score the goal are surprised that they scored the goal because it was so easy. You know, like, oh, I should have stopped that. Oh, I guess, I guess that did get through. You know, like it just seems, seems really bad sometimes. So, um, I do believe in momentum. Uh, oh, like, oh, and, uh, and, and I could definitely see a, a move to Logan Thompson. Cause I also, I mean, listen, I know they're playing with their backs against the wall. Uh, it's basically every game's a game seven for, for the rest of the, for the last four or five games, whatever they got left. Um, and I, I mean, it, Logan Thompson's been the better guy. And I, I as last night when, when they came out in the second period, there was definitely watching on television. There was definitely a different energy there. Like it, now was it because they realized like, Oh crap, we got, we got work to do. And you know, if we lose this game, it's, it's over. Or is it because of like, finally somebody like this is, this is what we needed. Um, I don't know, but uh, it, it felt the pace was faster. Everything felt different when Logan was, when Logan was on the ice last night. And there was a couple plays. I, I even the breakaway that, um, Ovechkin had last night that uh, when when it got stopped by Logan Thompson, you thought to yourself, "I don't think Leonard makes that play right there." But um, it, you know, it just goes to show confidence, and I think the players probably have more confidence in Logan Thompson right now. It's just uh, an outsider speculative view, but that's that's how I feel. So I'm well, I'm all for it, and I hope he starts the next next four or five games. Well, I hold your horses there. <laughs> you might be starting on Sunday. We have no idea who's starting on Sunday. Are you out of your mind? Come on! Well, I, I, uh, I I'd be happy to start. Uh, I'll take one off the chest. Uh, You'd I'll be take drunk a game check as well. <laughs> Have a few cocktails yeah, well, before and go on out there. Sure. You've got the third period, uh, Jr. They'll handle the first two, but you're coming in for the third. You know what? That that uh, <laughs> you may be onto something. I wouldn't be surprised to see like you know the uh, the overthinking of the room to be like, all right, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put our guy out there for two, and then we got a dude that's just nuts in the third period. And he's going to be in every third period, and it just like have a like a, like you do in baseball, you know, just overthink the room when you you know walk a guy with the bases loaded kind of situation. Is your son still being the Otani of high school baseball? 
Uh, he's doing all right. Yeah, he pitched yesterday. Had um, had eleven strikeouts yesterday. Um, Jesus, and and, how many innings? Six. Good God, that's almost you know who he exactly be what Otani did yesterday. You know who he should be pitching for? Uh, who the Dodgers? <laughs> no, UNLV. Oh, All they right. do is he hit. Should be. I mean, he should be pitching for UNLV. They scored twenty-two runs a game and give up sixteen. Now, first place in the Mountain West. Dan Stolte's doing a nice job out there yet again, but they need some arms out there. What do you think? Kid stays home. Dad gets to go to every game and act like a lunatic. Uh, you know what, though? Like he would tell you, like if he were, if you spoke to him, he would tell you, "I'm not a pitcher." He would tell you, "I can pitch and I can throw strikes for you," but he's he 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 likes to pitch. He'll do whatever his coaches ask him to do. Um, but he would tell you that, like, there's there's guys out there that are way better pitchers than him, um, you know, and, and he would tell you that, too. He said, but I'll, I'll go out there, I'll compete, I'll throw strikes for you, but he doesn't throw very hard. He's not a flamethrower. He'll hit his locations. He's got three pitches, and he seems to do pretty well. So, But he would tell you, like, hey, man, I, I, you know, he actually had a coach call him in, uh, in a recruiting uh, situation, and they said to him, um, hey, we're, we're, uh, I, I see you're a two-way player, and he's like, well, Coach, I'll – I'll pitch if you need me to, but I, you know, I, I really, I really don't want to be a pitcher only. So if you want to, if you want to do something two way, then I'm, I'm down. But I, I really just don't want to be a pitcher only because I want to hit too. How are involved there, will your weirdness be with this recruiting? In high school. Yes, there are many pitchers only in high school. Yes. Really? Is... Yes. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. There's a lot of pitchers only in high school. A lot. Um, you know, some of these rosters, you have guys that. You know, some some of these rosters, not necessarily Sierra Vista where JT plays, because there's only I think there's probably 18 kids on the roster. But some of these rosters carry 25, 26 kids. You know, and I'll bet you 10 of them are PO. You know, so um, you know they they're all they're, there's some kids out there that are very much a quote unquote specialist even in the high school levels. You know, I, you know, you, I'm using that word obviously loosely, but these kids will get in. You'll see them. They'll play in. You know. Uh, every other game, but they'll throw one inning in 17 pitches, and they're they're the closer or the seven guy, or you know when when the starter can't go the distance and, and pitch all seven, um, or if they're they're getting tired or whatever, this kid will come in and close it down just to bring velocity or something along those lines. There's certainly a ton of pitchers only in high school baseball. Yeah, is that the like kids and their parents making that choice, or is that the the high school baseball coach making that choice? Um, it's probably more the baseball coach making the choice, but there are a lot of kids, right, that, that they, they have kind of put themselves into that. Like, they, these dudes can, can throw 90 miles an hour, but, you know, you couldn't hit a soft toss at you, you know, so that <laughs> you don't want them in the lineup to swing the bat. Now, there are some kids that are pitchers only that probably can hit as well, um, but, you know, they may be on a roster that has, that's full of dudes. So they're like, all right, well, we're going to make you a pitcher only this year because uh, we want you in the lineup. We want to use your arm. And then maybe next year when we have some graduating seniors, we'll move, we'll move you into the, uh, into the lineup because you can hit as well. But there are a lot of pitchers out there, too, that, that are just like, you know, they couldn't hit the side of a brick building. Like, it, it's, it's, it's bad, you know. Um, so I, I've seen it all. Uh, so the, the, I understand. Uh, but a lot of these kids probably also understand that, like, man, I, I'm not a very good hitter, but I, I can I can pitch. <laughs> All right, well, tell us what you're going to make for the parents in the stands. Yeah, well, so, you know, obviously today windy, tomorrow rainy, but uh, at some point here we'll start turning into some actual nice weather um, and, and get, like, a, you know, more than one day in a row of it. Um, so I wanted to do another, another drink today uh, using a drink called uh, Malfi Gin. Uh, Malfi is probably my favorite gin on the market right now. 
Um, it's, it's from Italy. It's absolutely outstanding. They have a, a lemon gin. They have an original, which would be kind of your, you know, your classic juniper forward style gin. They have one that has um, orange or blood orange, and they have one that has grapefruit. Um, they are Italian gins, exquisite in their production, and a lot of fun to make cocktails with. So for today's drink, I wanted to do something um, that kind of uh, was, was an homage to the springtime or the summertime because, you know, it, it, cucumber and those type of flavors and lemon are something that we associate with uh, patio-style drinking, warmer weather, and very refreshing. Uh, so I am going to do a drink with uh, the Malfi con Lemon gin, with, uh, which is the, le- uh, the, the lemon gin. Uh, I'm going to use an ounce and a half of the Malfi con Lemon gin, Put that into a mixing tin. I'm also going to add three-quarter ounces of limoncello. I'm, add, I'm using Luxardo limoncello. Any high-quality limoncello will work for you, frankly. Uh, they all do taste a little bit different. Their kind of like sweetness to lemon ratio will always be a little bit different depending on the brand that you choose. I like Luxardo because anytime there's a brand, uh, a, a bottle with the name Luxardo on it, you can, you can pretty much guarantee that the quality is going to be very, very high. Um, they do tremendous stuff. So I'm going to use three quarter ounces of the Luxardo Limoncello. Uh, I'm going to use a half of an ounce of lemon juice and just a bar spoon, uh, of, uh, of agave nectar. And the reason I'm doing that is because there is, you know, obviously a, a, a good amount of sweetness to a, a limoncello. Uh, so I don't need to add a tremendous amount of sweetener in addition to with the agave, but I do need to balance the drink out with a little bit of straight acidity in the form of the lemon juice. So I needed just a half of an ounce of lemon juice. I take those ingredients, shake them together. Uh, I'm going to strain over fresh ice in a nice uh, rocks glass or an O'Collins glass, something that holds 10 to 12 ounces. And then I'm going to top it off with fever tree cucumber tonic water. Um, they, they, they have a refreshingly light cucumber tonic water, which is lower in sugar. Um, so it's less calories as well. And just top it off, give it a little stir, garnish it with a slice of cucumber and you have a, an, a tremendous drink that's perfect for the springtime. I'm telling you, um, even if you're listening to this thing to yourself, oh, man, I really don't like gin. It's it, the Malfi gins, when they're the limon or the, uh, the grapefruit or the blood orange, they don't taste like you would typically associate with a straightforward gin. Um, if you want that, then you just go with the original Malfi gin. Uh, they, this drink adds a lot, a lot of lemon flavor to it. It's almost um, vodka-like in that sense but with, with more flavor than a vodka would offer. They're tremendous gin. It's a perfect kind of cocktail for the springtime or the summertime or for patio dining uh, when you're sitting by the pool, whatever that case is. It's just a great cocktail, simple and very easy for you to make. What would you call that, a bar spin, a bar turn? What would you say? A bar spoon, a bar spoon. So, oh, a bar uh, spoon. Yeah. I thought you said a bar spin. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I need to add that to my Diet Pepsi or something. I, I, I didn't know what you said. <laughs> A bar, a bar spoon is, you know, you, it's basically, for bartenders, it's kind of a unit of measure. It's like an eighth of an ounce, basically. But, uh, you, know, you know, if you're measuring, it's just easier to kind of put it into the back, of, uh, into a spoon, and then pour it into the drink as filling the bar spoon. Hmm. How many how many tricks does J.R. Stark as the bartender have? How many flips can you do with a bottle yeah. of oh, God. alcohol? Absolutely none. Zero. I'm not that oh, talented. Uh, boring. Those, those are the, yeah, those are the real talented bartenders. I am not that talented. Um, I just make drinks, and I hope that you like them. Those guys put on the show. <laughs> I just make. I, I can flip, listen. I can flip the bottle. I can flip it a hundred times. I will never catch it. 
which is the problem. <laughs> so, you know, you need to have plenty of padding. I'll put on a show, but as long as you don't mind, like, your liquor costs shooting up because I'm going to break half of the bottles that I touch by trying to flip it. Every once in a while, you know, when I, like, in my house, I'll mess with my wife and, and, and my son, and we have our, like, little dish rack or whatever, and I'll take a, a, a glass or a, not a, or usually a plastic cup because I'm not insane, but I'll take a plastic cup and I'll flip it behind my back and I'll catch it behind my back. I'm like, oh, I still got it. But 90% of the time I drop it. So. Oh, man. You are the worst. <laughs> He's J.R. Starkus, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Extreme mixologist, but apparently not that extreme. Not as extreme yeah. as we thought. You're hardly Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise in the movie Cocktail, huh? Hardly Tom Cruise. Hardly, yes. I don't know what that is. Thanks, Jr. <laughs> buddy. Talk to you. <laughs> oh, God. Find the drink Bye. on at Jr. Makes Drinks on Instagram later today. He'll have that up for you. You ever hear the movie Cocktail? No, you're telling me Tom Cruise plays a bartender? Yeah, and he flips bottles the whole day. I don't know if he's really doing it, but he flips bottles the entire, you know, every time he gets behind the bar and he does, like you said, he does all those tricks and everything. I wonder if there's a stand-in. Why would I want to go watch a movie about this? Well, it's a little different than just that. There's a kind of love story to it, you know. Um, Jared, you've seen this it. This sounds terrible. This no, sounds it's like been a nightmare. while. Uh, but I think you probably Elizabeth Shue in it? Elizabeth Shue. Liz Shue, okay. yeah, yeah. This Jared's sounds on like top a disaster. Of it. Might as well do a movie on a guy that does the flipping of the little signs out by the street <laughs> to tell you which way the houses are for sale. That sounds more interesting than Tom Cruise as a bartender. Coming up next, we wrap up the show. North Central is taking the lead here in game one. Oh, oh, my. Oh, no. Oh, no. That was out of nowhere. Woodward just attacking the... Sorry, I just... Phillips right there. And he'll step on home plate. You're locked in the press box. Ed, have you seen the video oh, with yeah. that audio that Jared just played? I saw that. I'm, I saw the video. I saw the kids run around third, so I don't know what he did to – if the kid just did that on his own or was he trying to show him up in the home run? I, I have no idea because only, the only thing you see is when the kid's run in third, so you don't know when he came out of the box, if he did anything. Not that any nothing excuses what the pitcher did, <laughs> but it's one of those things where, like, I would have loved the scene from when he hit the home run – and seen if he did anything or rounding the bases did anything because the shot we saw made no sense at all that the pitch would run and just blow the guy up as he's rounding third who hit a home run off him. Yeah, high school baseball game, kid hits a home run. As he's rounding third, the pitcher takes off in a dead sprint like from the pitcher's mound and just levels the guy. Just a like perfect form tackle. Oh, Non-John Abrams. The guy, yeah, rounding third base. Like just crushed him. Um, and yeah, like you said, no idea. No why. idea what happened. Like I, I have to imagine the guy who hit the home run said or did something. Yeah, I can't imagine he just got tackled because he hit a home run. But still, I can't imagine he said or did anything that warranted getting tackled by the guy, the by the pitcher. Uh, so that was phenomenal. Did you watch the video I sent you during the break of Mike Tyson? I did on the airplane. So Mike Tyson. On an airplane, apparently last night, uh, a guy sitting behind him, according to TMZ, kept talking to him. Mike Tyson did take a selfie with him, but kept talking to him. Mike Tyson told him to leave him alone, and the guy didn't, kept trying to talk to him. So Mike Tyson comes over the back of his seat and starts punching the guy in the face. I just looked at the seats, and they looked like nice first-class seats. They do look they like first-class seats. They had like seats. the um, partitions up. Not that yes. it has anything to do with Mike Tyson punching the guy, but the guy behind him, he was making, he was trying to like sound like 
like Apollo Creed or Rocky Balboa or someone. He was like he was saying a bunch of nut stuff about peasants and stuff and all this stuff. And it's like, dude, you got to be quiet. And then Tyson, like you said, just came over. He just said, okay, enough is enough. And then you, the guy filming is like, uh, come on, Mike. Come on, Mike. Mike, stop that. You are pummeling this guy to death. Mike, stop that. That's a lesson you learn once. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Uh, that's yeah. a hey, I'm going to go mess with this celebrity. Yeah. No, never again. All right. All right. If you now, were making does he sue a Mike list. Tyson and Sam and Ash? Yeah, it probably does because you can't just turn around and punch people. But if you were making a list of people on earth that if they told you to stop it, <laughs> that you would definitely stop doing whatever you were doing because you feared physical harm. Mike Tyson's very high yes, on that he'd list. He'd be very near he? the top. Yes. He'd, he'd be, be above Putin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he'd like, be very high on the list. That is just a failure of self-preservation. And like Jared said, you, you learn that lesson once. Some people probably no. don't even need once to learn it. No. I th this guy has has he's never been he's never been punched before. I feel hundred percent confident knowing nothing about him. That he he's either never been punched before never or he's been was, in a fight. Or he was very drunk. One of the two. Maybe he was yeah. just drunk and was like, "Oh, it's Mike Tyson. I'm going to be his friend." You could see that. But I'm, I'm just guessing. The thought never crossed his mind. What if Mike Tyson punches me? Being, being <laughs> in the bar before he got on the before he got on the flight, had, I mean, had a few cocktails. I have been very drunk on planes before. I have never once been like, you know what I'm going to do. Start a conversation with somebody. <laughs> what I normally am like, please just let me pass out. Let me see. I, I think we need a Mike Tyson on every flight to do this to anybody that's annoying on a flight. Oh, oh there's going to oh, be a boy. lot of them. Line them up. Right? Line them up, be man. Great. There's going to be a lot of infants that don't make it to the terminal. <laughs> well, I didn't say it, but that's, that's a good point. Um, but... Like, I think we would learn, people would learn very quickly. Like, you get on a flight, you see Mike Tyson. Don't talk to like, people. Oh, oh boy. If you don't I know. Better, <laughs> don't, see, this is, what I, this is what I'm talking about, Ed. Don't talk to people. That's what and, I like. And don't be like the guy, uh, a friend of mine, we, we all know who the person is, not important, uh, in a store with uh, a child the other day, and a person walks up, and the person had a mask on uh, herself and her child, and a person walks up out of the blue, a man, and says, um, do you know where they have this product and she's like no i just i just got here i have no idea do you know where they have this product no do you have an extra mask and she's like no good you shouldn't be wearing it anyway and then he goes into the long diatribe about not wearing masks what are you doing you're out of control and stuff like that and he's like it's like D don't do that to people just just leave people just, alone wait you're telling me just random person random, random person accosted she, another random yes, person yeah who had a mask store? on and she had uh i think the <laughs> child had a mask on i know she did that's who he accosted. Like, don't do stupid things like that. People want to wear masks, they want to wear masks. Just keep on walking. That's what this person did. Like, that's what you do with your life. That's what you do with your day. You go around and accost people who you don't know, saying, where do you get the milk around here? I don't know. Do you have an extra mask? No? Good. You shouldn't be wearing it anyway. What? Yeah, was like, this okay. like a long setup? Why was he asking Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a total, se was a total setup. He, he thought he was funny. He thought he was being funny. Like uh, you know what? Let me just take my child away from here and away from you because you are I need a complete to get out idiot. Out of the store now. Where's Mike Tyson?